Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing. For some reason, I thought I said Over the Barricade podcast, which is something very different. But speaking of bods, he is the deadliest catch and my tag team partner, but uh, isn't in Cheap Seat Studios for what might be the final episode recorded in this uh, this pristine location. It's the deadliest catch himself, Lee Brando. How you doing, Ryan? I just had a whole diatribe all to myself just there. Yeah, I, it reminded me, it was reminiscent of uh, the World Bodybuilding Federation, which was, of course, the early 90s offshoot of the World Wrestling Federation. You segue, it's like we were going to talk about that this whole episode, this whole hour or so. <laughs> I don't know if, I mean, it needs to be done a like hour long introspective or retrospective into the World Bodybuilding Federation. Does it need to but be us? Again, <laughs> it doesn't need to be done. I don't think it needs to be us specifically. No, like ESPN could do it. They get it. They did a good job with the XFL. Um, you know that you know they've already announced and are playing advertisements for the Ric Flair Thirty for Thirty coming this November. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because. There's so much of Ric Flair's career that is not, um, how how would one say, controlled by the WWE, that um, we we may get some surprises in there. It'll be interesting to see what kind of grasp and uh, control they had over that documentary. Based on the advertisement they- alone, they it the beginning of the advertisement felt a little WWE in that it was pretty. Pretty straightforward. We're going to talk about his accomplishments, and then it takes a pretty dark turn as it uh, it, t- it promises to take a look at the man behind the gimmick, um, who was a man who obviously lived his gimmick to the fullest in many many circumstances. Uh, I can see where they're going to be different. Is they're not going to sugarcoat a whole lot. Um, this is I think it's WWE approved, but something that WWE couldn't do on their own. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, they they only pull the veil back enough uh, to to where they're satisfied, and I feel like ESPN should go further. I mean, you got to think in the WWE mythos, Ric Flair is only a 16-time world champion. Some people, you could argue, it, it everyone argues that it's more than 16. Some people say 18. Some people say 22. Uh, some people say even maybe 23. Uh, it all really depends on a lot of that weird booking that that happened before, you know, the internet and before really it was kind of this nationwide. There was always a scene, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. To where if something happens across the country, we know about it instantaneously. Back in the day, and it's crazy to think this. Back in the day, you could have a world heavyweight title change, and. Uh, then revert it maybe the next night or the next week, and people on the East Coast wouldn't know about it. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they get into any of that or if they're going to talk more about, you know, his his private uh, life dealing with, like you said, the gimmick and the fame. And, you know, he had to spend a lot of money to live up to that gimmick. Um, so it'll be interesting if they get into all that. I'm really excited to see it. And uh, with that, we will uh, turn from one of the greatest, if not the greatest, professional wrestler of all time to our own own, uh, interactions with some live performers 
uh, last weekend. That was a weird segue. I didn't like it, but we're doing it live. We're we're gonna do it. Yeah, live. I don't. That was that was a very WWE way to say, you know, I had a I had a fight with another wrestler. I interacted with another live entertainer. I mean, like obviously, your interaction at said event was much different than mine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but of course, we're talking about Adrenaline Championship Wrestling that was in Denton, Maryland last Friday night, uh, which I semi main evented. Um, you know, with uh, with kind of an impromptu matchup against the one and only Adam Ugly, who uh, his mama named him Ugly, <laughs> who suffice to say is one of the regularly top. Top build performers in uh, in Adrenaline Championship Wrestling. Yes, he was uh, one half of the illustrious Pretty Ugly tag team that kind of uh, ran roughshod over ACW and many other local promotions for a while until one half of the tag team uh, mysteriously disappeared. Do we want to say that? I, I wonder what happened to that guy. I mean, I, I, I wonder know. what happened to old Jimmy Dream. I don't know. He was pretty. I know that. Well, I guess we we may never know. It it, it it's up there with the Fandango uh, mystery and and you know the the fashion peaks and uh, fashion X Files and all that. So uh, we'll get to we'll get to the fashion the whatever we're <laughs> calling these the, these vignettes it, it changes now. quite often now. It it changes weekly. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, I don't want to leave ACW before we have a chance to uh, to no, let's, sp- uh, speak a little bit on it, our give it the old rundown. On you were our, there. Uh, I I was there. I got there late because traffic was atrocious. To- oh my god, it was the worst <laughs> traffic. First off, it's Friday it's uh, f- afternoon. Hang on, hang on. We need a smidge. We need a, a smidge of uh, additional context. So. Denton, Maryland, if you, for those of you who may not know, is on what is known as the Eastern Shore. Um, it is to the east of the Chesapeake Bay. There's your, there's your geography lesson. Here's the thing. In the summer, to get to the Eastern Shore, where Ocean City, Maryland is, uh, Rehoboth Beach, Bethany Beach, uh, long beaches up and down the Maryland, uh, Delmarva, as it were, Maryland, Delaware, and Virginia, Mm-hmm. Uh, to get there, if you are coming from the D.C. Baltimore area, uh, which is where I was coming from, you need to cross the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, which is, is at the best of times. At the best of times, I've heard that that it is the scariest bridge in America. Uh, I was riding with somebody who had never been on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge before, which blew really? my mind. Yeah, I that's really? what I was told. That's that's amazing. Um, I it blows my mind, but having lived over there for at some point in my life, it's a different story. But regardless, basically, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge is is a two uh, two bridge span. Uh, the eastbound bridge is three lanes, and it is the newer of the two bridges. The westbound is two lanes. Nope, excuse me, I said that wrong. Eastbound is two lanes. Westbound is three lanes. So. Imagine thousands upon thousands of vehicles trying to cross a two-lane span. It was horrible. 
It was miles of backup. It was terrible. So you I had thousands of people trying to go to the beach for the weekend, or you know, presumably longer because it a, is August a, now and you know, late July. It's in a monsoon. <laughs> so you have all these people, and then on top of that, you have torrential downpour, which helped the gimmick. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Bringer of rain brought the rain with him to ACW, and it rained all night. Hashtag and it rained the tide on is my rising. entire drive back, but. It did not help the traffic. <laughs> no, 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 it did not. Um, and they well, didn't, um, an important uh, key element there uh, of the bridge system is the three-way or the three-lane bridge that's going west. One of those lanes, they could, if they chose, could make it go westbound. They eastbound. could have it go the other way, eastbound, excuse me, and now I'm mixing them up. You've got me all turned around because I'm thinking about the traffic and how bad it was, and I'm flustered. But anyway, they didn't well, do that. They didn't they could do have that. Made the traffic one I, third less intense. I'm but pretty they sure they, they they chose not to because of torrential downpour. With oncoming traffic on a bridge is probably not a good idea. I would have taken that lane. I mean, I would have it, too. It was, but it, it would have caused an accident. It would have caused an accident, and the traffic would have been worse. It was like. You know, 10,000 cars going east and four cars going west. The drive was... home was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. The drive home took the hour and a half it was supposed to. Um, so, regardless, uh, ACW in Denton, I the whole point of that traffic story was that, uh, fortunately, you were not late. I was late. Uh, I missed, unfortunately, uh, the first two matches because we just... I, I we were 30 40 minutes late cuz of traffic and despite my best efforts we just couldn't get there early enough which bums me out because uh AC Wolf was in the uh was in that opening match and it would have been uh AC Wolf of course who is a uh, local performer regional performer who uh what was it about a month or so ago um made his national television debut on uh, Raw? Yeah, he was the original Ms. Bear. Not the later iterations, but the first one. Yes. The best one, he was, say. He was the first one. He, he's he got that gimmick all to, his, all to himself if he wants it. And we're going to have him on the show eventually. I we will. That. We will. I do want to point out, I had a chance during intermission of the show to go up, and I had a quick conversation with him, um... And told him that uh, that you know we were looking forward to having him on the show, and he apologized. He was supposed to come on a couple of weeks ago, but miscommunication. We we had some issues getting that tied down. Um, Did you say miscommunication? No, I didn't. I said miscommunication. I'm not holding that over that man. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to be sure. I was going to say I think I figured out why he's not coming on the show. He he's he's a good guy. I look forward to when we can get him on the show. Maybe maybe uh maybe at the end of August or in September. Um we can yeah. see about see about getting that done cuz I've now seen him at I unfortunately didn't see him wrestle here, but I've now seen him at a handful of shows in the last 9 months and uh very good performer. Very enjoyable to watch. Yes, agree. Um unfortunately he came up on the short end. <laughs> In his match, um, 
But regardless, uh, the night continued on. Uh, the women of ACW, Jordan Jordan Grace. Uh, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I didn't get to hear her introduction. <laughs> um, Jordan Grace making her debut in Adrenaline Championship Wrestling, taking out mm-hmm. uh, Gemma. Is am, am I saying Gemma Cross right? I am so bad at this because I wasn't. I didn't get to hear their names in introduction. You know, your guess is truly as good as mine. I Up feel. In the I feel room, bad. We can't hear. We can hear even less than you. Uh, which is impressive, given that I was on the road. Um, yes. However, I did make it in time for the uh, the the um, first tag team match of the evening, and as uh, Blackout defeating Eric Chapel and Chris Wild, becoming the number one contenders for the ACW Tag Team Champions uh, Championships, which are currently held by the Bully Club. Oh, don't even get me started on those. We'll get into that. We'll get there. Uh, and then what uh, was... I, it was a really, really good match. Um, I don't... I would say probably probably match of the night. It was really, really well done. Joe Kerr taking on uh, Lewis G. Rich for the ACW Light Heavyweight Championship. Of course, uh, Rich getting that title off of Diaz, if I remember correctly, ending a five-year title reign over uh, that Diaz ha- held that light heavyweight title. That is correct. It was and is probably the longest title reign that I'm aware of, um, like that I've actually been around and, and, and witnessed. And uh, to see it come to an end, by the hands of uh, of Lewis G. Rich, who many argue there's there's some controversy there because many argue he's not actually a light heavyweight. To be a light heavyweight um, in ACW, I believe the cutoff is 205 pounds. And uh, just looking at Lewis G. Rich, his size, many argue that he does not meet that threshold. But you know that's a common thing, and a lot of uh, I mean. They do the uh, the weigh-ins for UFC, and then the day of, guys can be anywhere from 5 to 10 pounds heavier. There was the one, um, I can't remember the fighter's name, but he was like 30 pounds heavier from the day before to the day of. Brock um, Lesnar. <laughs> was it Brock? Brock Lesnar did have a tendency to put on 30 or 40 pounds overnight, essentially, uh, he That's would. He walks around. He walked around at that point in time at three hundred pounds, and the heavyweight cutoff was two sixty five. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's controversy around that. But tell us, uh, tell us about the match as you were ringside. Uh, Joe Kerr picking up the victory in a really enjoyable moment, and I'm fortunate that I got there when I did because I did get some really good pictures. Head over to our Facebook page. Um, to see those pictures, because I'm pretty proud of some of those pictures. But uh, Joe Kerr gets the title win, and it looks right have him holding that title belt uh, up high, standing on the top rope. But uh, Rich demanding a rematch at ACW's uh, next show, which uh, will be in September, from what I heard. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Kerr, of course, after picking up the win, and very confident after having beaten Rich at the previous two events, decided he didn't want to wait. He gave Rich his immediate rematch, and it was a decision he would come to regret as the match got started. 
uh, and Rich caught Joe Kerr with a thumb to the eye while distracting the referee and uh, ended up regaining his light heavyweight championship on the pinfall and immediately grabbed a mic and told Joe Kerr no rematch. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say that Joe shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have taken him up on that challenge. I would say that given the results, that would be correct. But um, Rich regains his ACW Light Heavyweight Championship. So technically, Rich, uh, Rich losing and gaining the title, his he uh, will have to start, if he wants to beat Diaz's record, will have to start his five-year reign all over again. Yes, it won't be until the year 2022, which sounds so futuristic, but it's only five years away. Well, he is the wrestler of the millennium. That's true. If you didn't, if you don't know, he will tell you. He has a plaque. It's official. He, he does have a plaque. He does. It's the. It's one of the few perform. One of the few wrestlers I've seen carry around a plaque of their accomplishments. I've seen slammies, um, obviously title belts. Um, uh, custom title belts that really have no standing, such as the million dollar belt and uh, the wrestler of the Millennium Plaque. It's uh, it's up there. It's so right up there. We get to what would be out of the intermission. One of the more interesting matchups that came out: the Bully Club taking on Rayburn and Russell the Love Muscle, the uh, the head official for ACW, and. Um, Russell getting into action as they uh, basically the Bully Club come out, beat up on Russell. Rayburn comes in for the save, and Rayburn and Russell team up to take on the Bully Club, the tag team champions. They do come up short, but a lot of heart shown by the Love Muscle. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't. I don't. We have to iterate strongly how it's never a fair fight when the bully club is involved. And um, that was certainly the case in this match and the next one. Um, so why don't you just kind of discuss uh, what happened in between matches here? So the bully club, of course, the tag team champions retaining their belts and uh, picking up the victory over Rayburn and Russell as uh, they are celebrating their victory. Commissioner of ACW steps in and uh, informs Adam Ugly, who of course is the third member of the Bully Club, that uh, his night is not done. That he has a matchup, and the music hits. Uh, pretty good music, I must add. And out comes your hero, the deadliest catch himself, as uh, you hit the ring. Prepare to take on Adam Ugly. Yes, I was given very short notice, but uh, Adam, Adam Ugly and I have a history. Um, I, he, a few months back, um, actually probably a year ago now, geez, it's been a while, um, he was in a feud with that uh, pretty Jimmy Dream guy that we spoke about earlier. And uh, Jimmy Dream teamed up with Gilberg, and uh, Adam Ugly needed a partner, so he literally went to the locker room. I was sitting there minding my own business, and he grabs me by the ear and pulls me out and, and makes me tag with him. It was very awkward for me because um, I don't really like Adam Ugly. 
Uh, so this night was, uh, this last Friday was kind of my chance to to take that out on him. And um, I'm not a fan of the Bully Club. I think what they do is BS. I think that, you know, they think they have the numbers game and they think they can get away with anything. Um, but really, just like any bully, they're just insecure, you know. So what they are, they are three aging athletes um, who are trying really hard to hold on to every bit of their prime uh, you know before they before they you know age out of it you know they're they're on the tail end they're on the back nine and so they want to kind of do everything in their power to stay on top and to hog those tag championships and to enforce their will on ACW and I don't really stand for that you know so that was kind of my thinking going going into the match taking on Adam Ugly, um, you know, of course, it, it you know, it, it rang tr- more true than ever uh, because after, you know, the, the beginning of the match, I, I, you know, got a few successful strikes and shots in on Adam Ugly and, uh, you know, within a minute or two, his friends at ringside uh, interfered on his behalf and, and kind of laid the boots into me. And I don't really remember a ton from there, so maybe you can fill me in because uh, my head was stomped on repetitively and um, it was kind of a blur from there. And Bully Club continued to intervene, uh, causing trouble on the outside. Adam Ugly drawing the uh, attention of the official. And essentially what ended up happening is the, uh, the Bully Club just continued to... Uh, to assault you on the outside until the referee, after pleading from the fans to uh, to just turn around and do his job, he finally throws the bully club out of the uh, ringside area and then put it to a one-on-one matchup where uh, the two of you would go back and forth for another few minutes, another five, ten minutes, before uh, you finally got... Uh, Adam Ugly exactly where you wanted him and hit a uh, a move I don't think I've seen out of you before. No, it's a, it's a new move that I've been working on. I'm not really sure what to call it yet, um, but I did find success with it in this match, so I'm going to I'm going to keep it around. I'm going to kind of keep it in the repertoire. Um, it's basically a Spin out fisherman neck breaker, um, and you know, it, like I said, it worked here. I think there was one part that I do remember, and that is is looking up from ringside uh, in time to see Adam Ugly punch out the referee, and he, he did. And then that's where you know I came in and 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 caught him with that, and then of course the. Uh, ACW main official Russell, the love muscle, comes back out, puts back on his referee shirt, and counts the three. Uh, you know, me uh, me pinning Adam Ugly. So, so I don't remember uh, much, but I remember that I beat Adam Ugly even with his two goons at ringside. And it was um, a I, it was a clean count as well from uh, from Russell, which after all he had just been through was uh, a little impressive. Not a quick count gave. Gave Adam Ugly every opportunity to try and kick out before three, but could not do it after uh, Adam Ugly devastated by what can only be described as uh, a 
dangerous and deadly fisherman's neckbreaker. Maybe good name for it. Tentative. Tentative. We'll write it in pencil. Tara, we there, there's a brainstorm process happening. I don't know what you're going to call it, but you can call it effective, as you did pick up the win. But the Bully Club, of course, after the match was over, uh, couldn't leave well enough alone. And unfortunately, taking more shots as they come back out to uh, make sure everyone remembers that they were standing, that they were standing uh, dominant at the end of uh, at the end of Adam Ugly's match, even if uh, Adam lived up to his name in that moment. Yeah, I, 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 it kind of my night kind of blacks out from there. I remember just uh, trying to go back to the locker room and then waking up at ringside. Uh, I don't really know what happened, but you know I've seen pictures and I, I assume the bully club, you know, came back out and um, you know people were telling me you were you were trying to fight back here and there, but you just kind of were glazed over in the eyes. So, I, I, you know, I don't really know what happened, but. Well, the Bully Club, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I guess I don't they got think what they wanted. Me and the Bully Club are done. I would say probably not. Uh, not by a long shot. I'd say uh, be on the lookout come September uh, in all likelihood. Not that we can announce anything officially, but ACW's next show, from what we understand, is in September. And uh, doesn't look like the... Uh, the road is quite finished between yourself and the Bully Club. We'll see what happens, I suppose, in the coming months. Yeah. And that, of course, as you mentioned, was the semi-main. As we rolled into the main event, as Michael Zamato cha- uh, challenged for the ACW Heavyweight Championship against the champion Vic Ramon in what was a really, really good match between these two. Uh, Michael Zamato, I've said it before that Amato has one of the best gimmicks in pro wrestling. And mm-hmm. uh, as his uh, his manager, uh, in air quotes, uh, his manager Lars comes out with him every, uh, every matchup. And um, uh, you could say they're, they're tight. They're, uh, they're thick as thieves. They're, uh, one doesn't go somewhere without the other in tow. Inseparable. Is the word I would use. I think that's a pretty good word. Um, and uh, But this ended up being a really good match between Amato and Ramon. As, uh, Amato went for a lot of ground-based offense, a lot of submission holds, and a lot of work on uh, the very quick Vic Ramon uh, in the middle of the ring, but Ramon would fight back. Lars got ejected at one point, which I didn't know was physically possible. But <laughs> Lars was ejected from ringside after tripping up Vic Ramon. Amato was on the far side of the ring, uh, near the entranceway, and Lars's jacket was near side to where I was sitting, um, and which was of course opposite of the entranceway. Uh, Ramon goes off the ropes near side, and it felt like Lars grabbed him, which I didn't know was feasible given the dynamic between uh, given the dynamic between Michael and uh, and Lars but the referee decided res- referee which of course was Russell the love muscle throwing out Lars and uh, Michael's had to go to the back to get Lars calmed down uh, before coming back out on his own and uh, continuing the match but 
Vic Ramone eventually picking up the victory by submission after some great, great moments in the matchup, including a uh, second rope uh, throw in which Amato was thrown halfway across the ring and Ramon able to take advantage, picking up the victory, but he was not able to celebrate for long as Doyle Day would come out after the match attacking Vic Ramon and Doyle, of course, feeling that uh, being one of the originals of Adrenaline Championship Wrestling, felt he deserved a title shot after seeing so many other performers come in and jump ahead of him in line. So Vic Ramon left laying Doyle Day, call, saying that September will be his day, and uh, I can't imagine that uh, ACW is going to put on any other main event in September than uh, Doyle Day versus Vic Ramon for the heavyweight title. No, and that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a good match. Vic Ramon's a great champion, great wrestler, uh, but you know Doyle Day has the experience. He's a veteran. Uh, every word he said was true. He's one of the originals, and um, he's bitter. You know, a lot of people have come in after him and gone places before him, um, and he's got that chip on his shoulder that he needs to rectify. So it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good match. Um, September 29th, I can say. I will be there, um, and we will have more updates than that uh, in the coming weeks. I can only assume that I'll be there too. <laughs> I, I believe it'll. So. I believe it'll be in Denton again. Um, I believe so. If I remember, um, I haven't got the official word on that yet, but uh, I think it will be back in Denton. Denton is a. I will say the the. It's the uh, Denton Volunteer Firehouse, um, and it's actually a really nice venue. All things considered, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it is perfect, I think, for, for ACW shows. The performers, you get that intimate feeling of an independent wrestling show, and the performers do a great job making use of the space they have to go out and put on really interesting matchups and uh, entertain the fans. Yeah, and they've got, uh, you know, food, beer, liquor by the way so. i would just like to point out that um acw concessions are amazing it's very <laughs> rare you can go to an, an entertainment event and buy a bottle of water for a dollar an yep. ice cold bottle of water only a dollar and yep. darn it if i didn't get one of those because uh acw is just if you get the opportunity to go definitely make the trip um if uh if they come near you they do run shows uh every month or so in the mid-atlantic uh obviously they were in hagerstown last time i went to a show prior to last friday um but i know they run in denton pretty regularly and of course the show that uh where i saw you perform for the first time was back in october of uh, last year uh, just outside of uh, Salisbury, or just outside of uh, Fruitland, Maryland, in a little spot called Eden, um, and uh, it was a pretty good show, as I remember it. Yeah, they run all over Maryland. Um, there's, you know, obviously nothing we can confirm or, or guarantee, but there's talk of new locations in in Maryland um, sure. to to you know, kind of see fans and they're really trying to blow it up and, and they're really like one of the independents that, you know, I could very well see blowing up, getting to that next level, you know, doing um 
bigger shows, um, bigger talent. Uh, not to say that the talent they have isn't good, but you know, bigger names. I, I guess I would say, um, you know, they're talking, kind of progressing this thing. So if you like independent wrestling and you want to, you know, see it live, uh, I believe you were with somebody who it was their first wrestling show, and you already got the my, you know, next time I come, I'm gonna do this or that. Um, so, you know, they do have ACW does do it right. The shows aren't too terribly long. Sometimes you go to these independent shows and they're like six, seven hours long. ACW keeps it between two and three hours. Um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, great talent. Like you said, great, always great concessions, uh, you know, and all that money goes to help, you know, whether it be the volunteer fire hall or whatever, you know, everyone wins in the situation. And you get a pretty good value uh, for your entertainment dollar. Yep. And, um, you know, ACW is trying to blow it up. So if you like wrestling, go support ACW. Go follow them on Facebook, um, Twitter, wh- wherever you can find them. It's Adrenaline Championship Wrestling. And uh, stay tuned for all the upcoming events. And hopefully, you know, I'll see you there. If you if you come to a show because you listen to this show, you know, find me at intermission or whatever and let me know. And we can we can talk about it. I uh, I will probably be at most any ACW show that you are attending. So come give us a high five or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So with that, that wrapped up ACW uh, returns to Denton, and uh, we look forward. And actually, with the uh, the time we have left, let's take a look at some of the other big stories in the pro wrestling world. Of course. As uh, as usual, it of course revolves a little bit around the mothership up in Stanford, but specifically, we want to continue discussing a rumor that came out recently and a pretty strong one that has uh, got the wrestling world buzzing, especially the internet wrestling community. That Brock Lesnar is uh, headed out of WWE at the end of his contract, which ends in April of next year, just after WrestleMania to go back to the UFC, and that rumor was not helped by his potential opponent, who uh, he has called out in the past, winning the light heavyweight championship on uh, this past Saturday night, John Bones Jones, defeating Daniel Cormier, and uh, in his post-fight interview, called out Brock Lesnar by name, and I believe the quote was, if... uh, if you want to know what it's like to get your ass kicked by somebody 40 pounds lighter than you, I'm ready, or something similar to that nature. Um, but yeah. Bones calling his shot, and uh, his shot is a uh, giant Minnesotan, or can- Canadian, I'm not sure anymore, um, <laughs> but uh, a very large behemoth of a man who is the super freak of the super freak of athletes in Brock Lesnar. Yeah, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, I think, um, or maybe the week prior, because there were the rumors of Brock getting back into the uh, drug testing pool, which you have to be in if you fight for um, the UFC. Um, and the rumor, the, you know, kind of the rumor was maybe by the end of the year, because UFC needed a boost in, in pay-per-view buys. Uh, they haven't had a great year as far as pay-per-views go. Um, but it's looking like they're going to push this out because, uh, UFC 214 was, uh, this past Saturday and that was headlined by John, uh, Bone Jones versus Daniel Cormier. And it did very well. It did north of, uh, 700,000 pay-per-view buys, uh, I think is the number that I heard. 
which is great. Um, you know, it's not like biggest pay-per-view ever or anything like that, but it, this year UFC really needed a strong number. Um, they, you know, uh, they've been doing not great since, uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, kind of fell off. Uh, obviously Conor McGregor has other things going on. Um, so they needed a star and the story behind John Jones is he could have always been that star if it weren't for his personal problems. Um, he was either going to be the guy that took over the world, uh, via UFC and, became a household sports figure or he was going to be the guy that um let the money and fame go to his head and wasted all his potential and up until this past saturday he was going down the ladder uh but he cut a promo after his match and before he called out brock lesnar he was a very mature john jones he you know said that he wasn't gonna let anyone down anymore and 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 he's 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 turning this new leaf, and um, you know whether you buy it or not, he's positioning himself to be the biggest star in the company. And if if Lesnar comes back, that's going to be huge. Obviously, they would do a you know they'd cross that division line, so it would be uh, it would be an exhibition, I would think. Obviously, no title is going to be on the line, um, but it it would be an interesting fight, you know. Like uh, like he said, there's going to be a forty, possibly more pound discrepancy, and I don't, I'm not sure if he can hold his own with with Lesnar um, due to that. But you know, Lesnar is older, uh, out out of practice. Um, you know, even even if uh, they want to do it after his contract is over, Lesnar's still going to need two to three months at least, at the very least to train and get back into fight shape and kind of get all those reflexes going again. Um, so, it, you know, we're looking at midsummer of next year, possibly International Fight Week, um, which is always a big deal for UFC. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a very high-profile match, and uh, I'm sure that they'll make it happen. I think Brock is into the idea, and I know John Jones is into the idea, and I'm sure, you know, UFC and Dana White are. Um, it's just funny that, you know, they, they deny, they deny that Dana White does this every time. No, it's not happening. No, it's not going to happen. And then we all know it's going to happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I don't know what happens if John Jones loses. Does he still become that figurehead of the UFC? Um, I'm, I'm not sure on that one, you know? There's a lot of questions to be answered. It would be the earliest I think this fight could happen would be uh, mid to late summer of 2018 because when uh, Brock Lesnar goes back into MMA, he will have to serve out the rest of his suspension, which was frozen when he retired. Uh, was that earlier this year? So um, yes, when he retired in something. February, he had another, I think, four or five months left on his suspension, somewhere in that neighborhood. So he still has to serve out the rest of that suspension. And um, it's there might well, be could, ways around it, but he's going to have to do that. He could get back into the testing pool before his WWE contract is up. But the uh, WWE has come out and said that there's a 100% chance that Brock Lesnar will be at WrestleMania. Of course, they're not going to let that not happen 
Well, so no, no. Up. he's just not going to have the time to train, basically. So the other side of that, too, is kind of to piggyback off that he will be at WrestleMania. They might say he's going to be at WrestleMania, but does that mean that there's no way he there's no way he doesn't walk out of SummerSlam with the championship given on Raw where Paul Heyman decreed that if Brock Lesnar loses the Universal Championship at SummerSlam, he will leave WWE effective immediately. Um, so here's my thinking on that, and this is purely speculation. I haven't read anything or anything like that. Um, they do this a lot with Brock because he does work such a limited amount of dates in his contract. And they'll usually do something like I remember once it was he attacked Shane McMahon, so he got suspended. Um, you know, once he kept breaking people's arms, so he got suspended. It's, it's usually something along those lines. So I think this is just the next iteration of that to get him off TV for a while. I do think even before the John Jones thing came up that he was going to lose the universal title. Um, I think they're doing a four-way to protect him from actually taking the pin. They're going to save that till this year's WrestleMania, I would assume. Um, so they'll have somebody else take the fall. Unfortunately, it looks like Samoa Joe, but we you don't know. Allegedly, you know, they, Vince loves Samoa Joe now. Allegedly. <laughs> um, he could be high on Samoa Joe and have Joe go over. But yeah. I, none, nonetheless, I don't think Brock is taking the fall. I think he will lose the title, um, and I think that's due to the them wanting to have the champion there every week. I think they think it helps ratings, and it probably does. I think they think it helps live event attendance, and it probably does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even before the John Jones thing, the plan was, okay, SummerSlam, let's take the belt off him if we need to. He can always come back later on, possibly Survivor Series, definitely by Royal Rumble. We'll know what Brock is doing, or we'll see him again. I, I would be sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can always put the title back on him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think they'll save the big... Because they've been building this thing since WrestleMania 30, when he beat The Undertaker. He's got all this momentum. He's going to have to shift that to somebody else. The thought was Roman Reigns, but, you know... We're not so sure about that anymore. <laughs> doesn't seem uh, just due to doesn't the seem doesn't seem likely anymore because I feel like at this point you've already given Reigns Undertaker. Why would you need to give him Lesnar? Well, the thing was, you know, and I'm assuming in Vince McMahon's mind it was okay. The two guys to only the only two guys to ever beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, and they go one on one, and whichever one of them wins is the greatest wrestler in WWE. And I think you know that was going to be Roman, but um, I don't know. Somebody, my prediction is, unless they have another deal on the table for Brock, you know, possibly do your UFC fight and then, you know, come back to WWE for two more years or three more years, whatever it is. Unless they have another deal on the table, Brock is going to put somebody over at WrestleMania in a big way, and that person is going to be positioned to be the next big star of the WWE. Could be Braun Strowman. We don't know. That seems Um, to be a name I've heard floated. I was actually going to throw that out there. Braun Strowman would look like the biggest monster on the planet if he beat Brock Lesnar clean. Yeah. So 
somebody's getting that push. Somebody's getting that rub. It's just who is it? You so know? Moa Joe would and, be my pick, but that's because I'm an internet nerd. So yeah, um, I mean, you know, and it could it could be somebody else. You know, I I don't see it being. Uh, you know, they had talked about Finn Balor. I don't I don't really see that. Shinsuke I don't think Vince would do that. <laughs> It'd be Shinsuke. You know. Who knows? Who knows? Anybody. With the possibility of another superstar shakeup after SummerSlam, who knows where people are going to be? Um, let's. I'll uh, be happy as long as it's not a match that involves a chainsaw that's not used at all. Unless it's Chainsaw Charlie. Uh, unless which, it's Chainsaw Charlie. Which I would feel bad because Terry Funk is like in his seventies now, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but I think he still wrestles. <laughs> That's because Terry Funk is the man. Um, so let's uh, let's move along to uh, what it was the news that came out uh, a little bit more than a week ago. We we teased it a little bit last week. Uh, the WWE Network numbers came out, and uh, they're I believe at about 1.6 million subscribers. And according to the Wrestling Observer, those numbers within WWE uh, headquarters are quote genuinely disappointing yeah um this isn't the hottest time of year and it and and we will see it drop off a little more before the year is over do you think Um, so do you think that wwe do you think wwe has largely hit their peak with the kind of subscribers they're going to get on the network is it just to the point where it's You've got the hardcore fans, and you're going to continue possibly getting a trickle of new fans over the course of time. But you know, maybe this is just what it's going to be. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the cable TV landscape, um, or just the, the broadcast television landscape in general. Um, and that's a really hard thing to predict. You know, the the biggest revenue stream the WWE has is their television rights fees that they get from um, USA Network. Correct. Which uh, is most, are... most leagues and, and, and uh, sports, uh, most sports leagues are the same way. Their TV deal is what gets them the most money. Right. And, um, you know, their, their TV deal is on an escalating uh, path every year. It gets more and more. Um, and it will end in 2019. You know, there's there's concern. Obviously, the 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 television ratings aren't as good as they used to be. Um, mm-hmm. They're down from they're down pretty substantially from when they signed the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the WWE Network's not doing as good as they had hoped. But that you know, the WWE is not in peril. Um, you know, they, they set this quarter their record um, revenue. It's just that their expenses were up and WrestleMania wasn't in as big of a stadium as it was last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's like 1% increases across the board. It's just not the type of increases that they wanted, um, that they were looking for. There is one troubling figure, and it, it's kind of complicated because... The number of network subscribers, it's kind of a false number because there's so many free subscriptions out there. I think they average it. I don't think it's necessarily the total. I think it's the average over the last quarter. Um, Yeah, but here's here's the thing. 
so they do the the free month, and then if you, I, I haven't tried this, but uh, this is apparently what happens with with people. So you either do the free month and you stick around and you pay, or you cancel. And when you cancel, you get an email with a code that gives you 90 days free. And apparently people continuously do this. You can do it with the same card but a different email address. And you can get, you know, six, nine months of WWE Network for free. So the free promotion is is at this point hurting them. I think maybe in the beginning it was a good idea. But at, at this point, if they keep throwing out freebies... All it's going to do is attract people who don't want to pay for the product, and that's not going to help them. Yeah, I think uh, the idea with that is instead of maybe you start with a 90-day free trial, and then if they don't like it, you give them an extra... If, if they don't renew, you give them one extra month. And unfortunately, with the way those work, as somebody who works uh, in websites and with subscription management on a much smaller degree... Um, you you tie everything to email addresses. So you kind of can't stop people from doing that with their email addresses. It would be interesting to know the specific number of paying um, subscriptions over that course of time, but I don't think those are numbers they give out. However, so, so let's... I did some quick math. Let's assume that all one point... I think it was 1.63, so let's round up to 1.65 million people we're paying their $9.99 a month, okay? So mm-hmm. over the course of a year, and that this doesn't include taxes, fees, or anything else that they have to pay, their gross earning would only be, would just be, or would be just shy of $200 million. It would be $197.8 million for a year on the, on the subscription they have now. Sounds like a lot of money. However, you have to account for all the pay-per-view buys they lost, because as soon as the network came in and you were offering pay-per-views for free, you lost all those pay-per-view buys. Uh, Or not all of them, but a hefty majority. Um, Those were all gone. And you're... um, In a way, you also know it can't be this high between taxes, fees, and those free subscriptions that you mentioned. And the cost to run the promotion. And they have other revenue... Uh, streams such as merchandise, their right TV rights deal, just like you said, but just under two hundred million dollars for the thing that's essentially going to be your lifeblood, probably in a couple of years, is not enough. Like they clearly need more. This is a subscription service that I think they really probably need to crack four or five million subscribers to really, really feel good about what they're doing. And they're only in a million and a half. So maybe those expectations I just mentioned were too high. Maybe they crack, you know, two and a half, three million, and that would be fine. But what happens in two years, we're going to find out because their uh, ratings are down across the board and it's just not looking great. I'm sure USA will keep signing them because their ratings are higher than just about everything else the USA Network has. And um, NBC Universal, if they value that network, will continue to pay. Um, for WWE programming, however, they there's don't, no doubt they don't have to pay no as much. Somebody's going to pick them up, but it might not be for the amount that they would be looking for. And it really shouldn't if they were doing good business. 
um, the, the network that picked them up. But uh, we're running out of time. Um, apparently, this uh, this um, the, the news, I should say. I'm struggling right now with my words. Um, this <laughs> news has uh, got people in the U.S., uh, USA, in the WWE offices believing that this will lead, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, uh, reportedly, this is going to lead to spending cuts, which will primarily be in programming, original programming, and talent. So, and that could well, it already has, you know, not just not necessarily in ring talent. This could be talent of their executives, their producers, their their uh, their television people who go out every week. You know, there's a lot of people that could be affected by this more than just the talent in the ring. Um, but you know that the talent in the ring is going to take a hit too. That's the thing is the talent in the ring doesn't make the kind of money they used to make uh, back in the Attitude Era when business was booming. And even five years ago before the network hit uh, because they lost all those pay-per-view dollars. Well, it's um, it's interesting because you're cutting up the pie into more slices. You know, when you had a pay-per-view it was all derivative of that pay-per-view buy mm-hmm. figure, that buy rate, what people got paid. Now it's you get you have your 1.6 million at 9.99 a month, but you're doing two pay-per-views, you're doing NXT, you're doing 205 live, you're doing all these shows and you're cutting up that network pie. Well, on pay-per-views, pay-per-view buys were somewhere around, I don't know, Three hundred to four hundred thousand for a B show, and you know for the big show would be Mania, and Mania was getting, I, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, so I am trying to make an educated guess. Somewhere between seven hundred and nine hundred thousand buys, occasionally eclipsing a million, um, yep. and that was towards the end. Obviously, to buy it in HD, it was sixty bucks a pop, and most people were buying it in HD. So, yeah. 60 bucks per pay-per-view and that was just for the pay-per-view that was just for that three to four hours that didn't yeah, I mean, include but, all know, the other stuff they're doing 50 percent of that would go to the cable provider and they weren't getting the full 60 but they were certainly getting more than 9.99 sure. per, per buy um it's it's interesting you know it it was a gamble it is still a gamble but you know say say streaming in five years is the only way to really watch anything then it was the right choice you know i still Um, i still think as much as they're struggling to get this model right and as much as there are ideas i think that can make this work they can't go backwards they've they've they have picked this course and ultimately i think it will be the correct course however they are hurting in the short term although i do think that eventually more and more businesses, you see it now. WWE, when they did it, there were other streaming services, obviously. There was Netflix. There was Amazon Prime was doing video at that point. Uh, this was just in 2014. So, you know, you're, you're talking about there were other streaming services at that point. But you were taking, essentially, a uh, WWE product, a, a product that was essentially saying our most important things are no longer going to be on pay-per-view, are in a standard medium. You have to pay us to get it. And it made a lot of people think, if this works, you could see other leagues possibly doing this if the network system 
starts to kind of fall apart, which might happen because the money, as much as these networks have a lot of money to spend, eventually 10, 15, 20 billion dollars for paying f- to air certain sports may not be as appealing and you might in some of these leagues be able to charge a pretty exorbitant price per month and people are going to pay it to watch your games. Things NFL immediately comes to mind. Yeah, you know, I mean UFC has the fight pass but they don't put the big shows on it, you know. Um, a lot of people think that's what WWE should have done, something similar to that. But it was, you know, putting your pay-per-views, your big shows on it, uh, it's an, it was an interesting move, and you know, and I think we'll just you know kind of wrap it up. But I think that um, when you have on free television Shinsuke Nakamura versus John Cena, which a lot of then, people complained about, why would you put this on free television? But oh, it was a good but, match. <laughs> it was a good match, but you put that on free television. It's fine if you have something better that you're going to charge nine ninety nine for, but when you put that on free television and then you charge nine ninety nine for a Punjabi prison match uh, between Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton, or Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura, you've done it backwards, and you can't really scratch your head and go, "Why aren't people buying the network?" Yeah, you know, no, I, think, that's... I think it was, I think it psychologically, in, internally to the WWE. Saying it's just nine ninety nine a month made them think, oh, we don't have to make this big and must see anymore. All right, well, you, uh, you still got to treat uh, yeah. it like a pay per view. You still got to build it up. You know, you can't give it away. I, and, and, or you can, but you can't wonder why people aren't buying it. Yeah, I I, I agree with that sentiment. I think it's. Uh... There's too many good matches you're getting in, in places where you're not having to pay for it, and then people complain about things like Battleground, which we did last week, um, which was a terrible pay-per-view. And there were two matches, Nakamura and Cena, and then Gable and Rusev were two matches that were instantly better than Cena, Rusev, and uh, Nakamura, Corbin were at Battleground. So you could have had yeah. better matches that were more interesting and the crowd was more interested in. But we'll we'll end it with this and we'll keep it quick. Nakamura overseen it. Did you see that coming? Um, yes, because I'm not sure how long how much longer John Cena is going to be around. I agree, He's but you could have put him in there and it would have been a new, bigger um, Transformers spinoff, Bumblebee or whatever. I think you so, could have put him in that against Mahal, and it would have made sense, and I think it would have drawn uh, more attention, unfortunately, just because of how they've kind of mismanaged Nakamura a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. now they've got a few months to build Nakamura to be that superstar that they want him to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I, I'll wait and see. <laughs> and We will wait and see indeed. So... Um, with that, that'll do it for us for this week. Um, next week, we're going to continue our Undertaker series as we go through uh, the late stages of 1991 into 1992. Uh, should, be good, uh, should be a good episode. Looking forward to that. Uh, any last words for the people? Um, no, not really. Just, you know, keep listening. Thank you. Come out, support indie wrestling, as always all wrestling even if we complain about it sometimes still the best thing 
still the best form of entertainment, in my opinion. I don't disagree. So that'll do it for us. We'll see you next week. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. Follow us on Twitter at barricade show. You can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for over the barricade podcast on iTunes and Google play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando and don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.